A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. It is the Red Men Podcast. I am here. I am Paul Meach, and I am joined, first and foremost, by Mr. Tom Dutton. Hi. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm turning more into that man behind me as the days go past, but... Uh, <laughs> the white yeah. Mo Salah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's good. It's a good look. It's 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 growing. Yeah, it's it's something. I need a barber shop. There's really. a touch of a uh, Art Garfunkel about here as well. Um, just go, just going on, which is good. I'll I take like. that. There's there's many many shouts that you could have said, and you picked Bob, a relatively good one there. Bob Ross. <laughs> Bob Ross, another good one. Yeah. Sideshow Bob's been said in the past, so I'm glad no one said that. <laughs> Amazing. Another Seth one. Absolutely. Yeah, we're all we're all sharing sharing similar issues, whereas Errol's decided to tackle his uh by with with the is, is it dreads we're going for at the minute? No, they was box braids or box plats originally, because I haven't took them out in about two weeks. Now they're starting to dread up a little bit. Um I seen someone the other day say I looked the ringer of Divock from last season. Nice. So <laughs> I think I'm probably going to take them out at some point this week and, and we'll go again next week and get some fresh fresh plats back in. You're working towards the Frank Reichard look is what you're going for. Like, yeah, yeah. that's fair. absolutely fair. Um, um, Ross Chandler, you're, you're, you're handling things reasonably well? You're not too bad. I mean, it doesn't look alike, so just get it out there. Shakiri or Bobby from King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> before, before anyone says it. <laughs> Sensational. Well, I can't stop that. You've just done, you've just pure M&M battle raptors there by getting out all of the insults um, before we could get to you. Great. Um, right, our kickoff uh, warm-up question this week uh, comes from Martin O'Neill. He wants to know what your perfect full English looks like. Tom, see, this is a massive like. A lot of people don't like a mushroom on a full English. A lot of people don't like a mushroom on a full English. That's not a full English. If you don't like them two things on a full English, it's not it's a full thing. English. It's so, so mushroom, Tom, you said mushroom twice. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> Can tomato is what I meant to say. So, <laughs> two sausages, two bacon, two eggs, beans. Two ash browns, a black pudding, mushrooms, canned tomatoes, and two slices of bread. Toast. Sweet. Yeah. Breakfast. That's a lot, that. That's a full English. A full. That's a full and a half English, that mate. Yeah. Go on, Edel. What's on you? What's on your full English? <sighs> See, I, again, I, not even to be controversial, but I'm not even a big. I don't really like full Englishes as a whole. But. I kind of have a mashup of things that I would put together on mine because I don't really like eggs. The only form of eggs I can eat is in an omelette. So if I can put it in an omelette, then I'd have an omelette. I'd have some beans in there. I'd have some toast. I'd have two sausages. I'd have two bacon. I'd also go with a few Jamaican 
extras on the side if I was doing it properly. And I'd have the fried plantain in there. I'd have some fried dumplings. And I'd also probably have a little, if it wasn't normal bread, I'd have Jamaican bread, which is just hard old bread. Get it from Danny's in, in, in Toxteth. If you're from Liverpool, it's a game changer. And then a small, small heart attack for brunch. Is that what you're going for there? Probably, like after your yeah, fried dumplings for breakfast? <laughs> probably, yeah, but that's probably how we do it on like, either mine or my mum's, that's how it gets done. Ross is a former professional chef. Okay. Yeah, which I wish you never said now because my answer is really controversial. Pre-lockdown, I think the answer would have been dead easy. It just would have been a spoons breakfast. Like you get all that shit that Tom says plus a pint. You mean where the spoons? Yeah, for mm. four quid or whatever yeah. it is. I mean, what what more do you want? Um, but everything that Tom said, I think you go for the full works. I think you've got to have black pudding in there. Because it, it, it's just the best, and something to make a butty with, something to mop up your beans, bit of tomatoes, yeah. Never had black pudding. Never had black pudding. It's amazing. It's it like people don't like it because it's like oh it's blood. Nah, it's blood and spices, and it tastes amazing. <laughs> like you know what I mean. <laughs> There are plenty of other things that people put into the bodies, which is basically a lot of like laundry detergents and uh, and, and other <laughs> white looking things like you know, it's all told. You know, I, the black pudding one is an interesting because it's um I would never actively buy black pudding. I've never I never have it in my house, but I also never take it off for breakfast if I'm if I'm having one out anywhere. The the simple answer for me is is well, it's a tavern brekkie. So the tavern on Smithdown Road, you go in there, you get the full English and you swap out. In my, For me, I can't stand mushrooms, so swap mushrooms out and put hash browns on instead. And that way you've got sausages, loads of bacon, eggs, beans, black pudding, uh, hash browns and, and fat, fat toast. I'm trying my best to cut out bread at the minute and like... So like I'm never getting anywhere near tavern bread ever again because it's not even like you can have brown bread, you can have whole yeah. wholemeal bread, but, but like medium so this is like super thick sliced. That's like Jamaican bread. That's like Jamaican bread, Paul. Yeah, those that toast is like right. two inches thick. It's yeah. amazing. But I, what what's your thoughts on American breakfast? Because if we're talking about tavern breakfast, they do an American, which is everything we just said with three pancakes and syrup on the side, like. I, I kind of like that, but again, that's because I'm a bit weird. <laughs> Ross is shaking his head. Ross is probably just mixing two fucking dishes up. together. Just have one or the other. <laughs> Do you not what? like bacon and pancakes though with the syrup? No. Oh, I think that's a nice little combo though. You know, like when I went like, to America years that's ago. Like, the- that, sorry, 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 Ross. I just can't let this stand. You can come back to this point in a second, but Ross. Yeah. Like that's like saying. Don't have oral sex and sex in the same session. I mean, you talked to the wrong person about that. <laughs> <laughs> because because they, both, they both can be standalone entities, one or the other. No, nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Go for the full Go for the full works. If you can have pancakes as part of your brekkie, why would you not have pancakes as part of your brekkie? Because you can have syrup and all that shit. It's a rhetorical you? question, Ross. Uh, it's a re- <laughs> no, no, that was perfectly said. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> What about what about beans in a bowl? Do you remember me and Ross when when we went to Qatar, um, we 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 got the fancy we got the fancy breakfast in the airport, and you put beans in a bowl. I'm not a big fan of that. It's it's, it's a modern thing, and I think it's probably because the cost of beans must have become really expensive. Because even the tavern started doing that. A ramekin of beans is one of my greatest pet hates in breakfasts. Like. Just pour the beans on the plate, but it's yeah. not. It's like, no, I'm going to give you a teeny tiny little little ceramic dish full of five beans. There you go. Enjoy. Nonsense. I want to have, I should have too many beans on. Every breakfast should have too many beans on it. Yeah. You know what? So you should not prefer to have the option of what other 
you know, pieces of the breakfast have beans on them. So you want to dunk your sausage into your beans, you've then got the option. You're not being forced into having beans on different parts of your breakfast. Oh, I understand if you've got really bad OCD issues, and my son's yeah. got that. Like he has to have, he enjoys his gravy and a little pot and stuff. I just like, I drown them, drown the motherfucker in gravy. If I end up having a full English closer to twelve or one o'clock, it becomes a brunch, and then I add chips to it. Yeah, so it's a little spoons. chip combo. So that's yep. a good shout as well. Yeah, so that's a, a Weatherspoons all day, Brecky. That all day, isn't it? Like, get some, get a fat, fat scoop of chips. I'll see you, I'll see your breakfast as well. Whoa, cholesterol! <laughs> when yeah, he started I'm... doing that in Carveries as well, that was a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Okay, we're going to drive into the football topics. Then let us know your ideal full English breakfast in the comments section underneath. Um, and if you're doing, uh, if you listen to this on podcast and apps, do give us a five star review because it does help. Um, that'll be much appreciated. Right. Okay. Uh, Ross, yep. you want to talk about Euro '96? Yeah. Well, not specifically. It just made me think of think of the subject. So I know it started yesterday, but I don't. I was must have been six or seven Euro '96 right, around that, and I don't really remember it. So I just wanted to know what people's first memories were of an international tournament, what plays that you liked. Um, you know, was, was there a team out there everyone thought it was going to be shit, but they were decent? You know, something like that. So, for like, France 98 was my first one. And it was just, like, just loads of icons and, you know, the shirts, the, the way they marked it in France. It just was just amazing. Um, but I was just interested to know what, you know, the people at home and you guys, what, you know, your first tournament you remember. Let's make it me feel dead old by having you go first on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's probably go ahead, Daryl. You you go first because my answer is kind of boring. Well, yeah, I think mine's probably going to be very short as well. I was five. Um, I think I almost remember. I don't know if it is ninety six or again ninety eight, but the McDonald's did like toys of the of the Euros when they came out, and I don't know if it was like a little mascot one that year. Um, that Euro ninety six was famed for Coca Cola having a deal where you collected ring pulls, and if you sent them off, you could get like a Euro ninety six music sampler, which had uh, "Wake Up Boo" by the Boo Radleys on, uh, and a couple of other like absolute bangers. If you got a few more, you could get this footy. There was a little footy you could get. You could get an ev- that was like on the schoolyard. That's what everyone wanted. You want these Euro ninety six footies, and eventually, I'm sure they even had a competition where you could win like a, a full kit for your school team and a lad in our school won it because we went to Blue Coat and it was a Coca-Cola kit. It was red, so we weren't allowed to play in it. Oh, um, oh shit. <laughs> I, think, I think France 98 was the, was the Mackey's toys because oh, was that they, had, they, had, they had the bird, didn't they? I think I've got, I've, yeah, I've, the... I've got a Frisbee somewhere with the France 98 bird. All right, well, that's probably what I remember the memorabilia from then. So again, my memory for 96 is even more limited, I can imagine, in that sense. Um, what yeah. was the first tournament you remember, though? First time I remember is probably '98 because I th- again I'm hoping I'm right in saying this. I think Jamaica were in the uh, World Cup that year. Um, they had a belt. Dion Burton leading the uh, leading the line that year. Robbie yeah. L in it as well. They had the, the bells of kids. And I remember, I think I seen something the other day. I don't know if it was so I have a Nigeria or Cameroon. They tried to come out with sleeveless. Oh, that um, was that was Cameroon. after. Cameroon. Was that later on? Later, yeah. Was that after? Was that years later? But yeah. St- that was probably my earliest memory about international football, probably 98 then. Well, and then obviously after that, it was the haircut from, um, was it, Ronaldo. Was, it you know, was it Roberto Carlos that had the oh, haircut? Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, oh, Ronaldo. 2002 as well. Did you yeah. even watch football when you were younger? Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> 2000, 2002 I had the haircut. I had the haircut. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was 2002, Defo was the first one. I was born in 94, so I would have been, been eight, I guess. 
But the thing is, I used to go to an after-school club, and that's where we watched the games. But the issue was that there was a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater next to it. So, like, I remember vividly probably moving away from that screen of the footy to take me turn on the Tony Hawk's game. So I, I don't even remember too much of that one. And then international football has never been massive for me, just purely because I don't have an affiliation with England. And I know everyone will talk about that and say, oh, stop, stop doing that or whatever, uh, if they're not from Liverpool. But I just feel like whenever I've watched international tournaments, I've always watched the team playing against England. You know what I mean? So it's never been like... It's never been a, a, a one one of them where I'll watch a certain team. It's just, right, I'm picking this team for this game or I'll just watch the monumentous games where there's a brilliant players. That's the thing for international tournaments for me. I don't care until it gets to the semis because there's a lot of shit teams in international tournaments. Yeah. It's yeah. mad. Like, my first that I remember was Italian 90 and I'd have been seven at the time and I only really remember it because it was, it was just a mad time. Like, obviously, had World in Motion was the, um, by New Order was just massive and you'd have it on, like, everyone would play it constantly. You'd go out and buy the single and my, my auntie and uncle would have it in their house and my cousin, he was three years older than me, so he, he was 10 and he was bang into it and we'd be playing footy in the streets and, like, my auntie would run out and go, Roger Miller's just Good for Cameroon, and we'd all go, Rah! and we'd all do. We had this like boss, like like dance celebration. They'd be doing the corner flags when he scored, so we'd all be doing the celebrations and stuff, and like having the because uh, back in the day you did support England, you know, and you know, so we we like and guys are crying when they when they uh, when he got booked, so we knew he was going to be missing the final and all that kind of stuff. Is and it, like shit himself in that one. I can't remember, um, but the, <laughs> the I, I, that I remember, but I, I, a lot of that I remember. I remember being around it not the footy you remember the footy because you've seen the footy since more than anything else Euro 96 was my first major one because I was 13 and like it, it coming back and I remember it, like I went me and my dad went to watch um, Czech Republic versus Russia at Anfield and it was 4-3 to the Czech Republic it's the best game of the whole tournament and we got free tickets because my mum's school got given a load so we got to go to these games and I, I, it's funny because I remember my me, me uncle and my cousin he waited for the, for the brewery so he got like these boss tickets and it was Italy were in the same group and they were playing in Old Trafford so they went to that and it was this boring drab like nil-nil or one-all and we got these tickets to watch Czech Republic Russia which on paper was the worst game and it ended up being an absolute be- be- belt like Patrick Berger would have been playing in that Karol Paborski um, I guess probably Nedved would have been in that team and uh, we are, I've still got the ticket in ours somewhere it's just like yeah that was absolutely amazing that tournament was just boss because footy was just on constantly it was on at a time where you could watch it you were at an age where you were hanging out with your mates so like we didn't even watch it religiously we'd be in town and you'd walk past like John Lewis and the tellies would all be in the window and you'd stop and you'd watch the footy for five or ten minutes or whatever and then go about your day like yeah that was a uh, your 96 was amazing I was going to ask I mean uh, you, you've obviously you know more about it if there, if there has to be one game without telling me the score so I can actually go back and watch it Paul, you said that one's your, your favourite, but I'd be well, interested. I've to just ruined it. I've just ruined it for telling you the score. But that game, um, it's actually annoying. It's actually Friday. I think it's Friday at half six or quarter past six. It's on the telly. Yeah. Um, I would recommend if people aren't, if people don't want to watch our being Liverpool watch along, which they might do, they might not. You, I'd watch the first hour of it if you can. Um, it's a, an absolutely brilliant game of footy. Bosh, yeah, I'll definitely get on to it. Yeah, just a few in, in France night eight. I ended up watching like two weeks ago, like just all the goals. But it's just amazing, like how bad the defender is, how bad the goalkeeper is. But even like that, for just pure nostalgia point of view, it's like the kits, I said before, like the marketing behind it, but like all the teams you think of, like Holland had like 
David Cliver, Seidorf, everyone was in the pomp. You know, Brazil had the Ronaldo, Rivaldo. I think Roberto played in that one as well. It was just like, it just, it just like I don't want to talk about Yeah, exactly. But it, like, it just seemed like that was the best it ever got, and it's it not been the like same since. They're the era as well, where everyone kind of captions and memes nowadays. Like today's kids will never understand the true Brazilian greats. It's yeah. always from like those competitions from like '98 to 2002. It, it was that squad. It's funny, isn't it? Because, like, he talked to my dad about it and, like, he loved the Brazil team of the 70s. So when I talk about that, those Brazil teams, he's like, pfft, we're talk about not a patch, but we do. We properly... It's, it's, it's an era thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, I think, you know, in another 10 years, people will talk about, like, World Cup 2006 as being the one, you know, that was the one. But he's never been the same since that, since that World Cup and all that. Whereas I was just... I was just on the lash for those, for those World Cups. I was I didn't really really take them in in the same way. I was bladder. I think I was working in a bar in in on Allerton Road, and I pretty much watched every game of that tournament. But I pretty much watched every game of that tournament bladdered because hmm. um, I just I, I was living with my mum and dad. Couldn't be bothered to go home, so I'd just stay in the pub after I finished and just watch all watch all the games. Yeah, I watched like all kind of so much crap in that tournament. It was a uh, it was hilarious. But yeah, let us know your first memories uh, of international tournaments in the comments. Always interesting to get people's nostalgia on these things. Because there are some just genuinely brilliant moments. Like for World Cup '98, I was 15. That, that was the one I probably remember best because I was of an age where I wasn't. I was too young to go out drinking, and I was old enough that I cared about it and knew a lot about footy. And I was playing footy loads at the time and stuff like. Yeah, that was that was a bad belt of a tournament. Brazil, Scotland in the opening game. What a time mm. to be alive. Um, uh, right, okay, Sal, we'll move on then. Tom, you've been watching old footy adverts. Yeah, I found something the other day on YouTube, you know, and then it just pops up to you. And it was uh, loads of boss footy adverts. And you remember the Yoga Benito ones? Uh, it was the Take It to the Next Level one. Uh, I was just wondering, like, what everyone's favourite footy adverts were because, and, and, and an extension of that. Like footy adverts now have kind of got a bit crap. I mean, there was one in 2015, and Nike won the last game, but that was made with animation. And then there was the Messi and Salah one, but I watched that back before this, and the ball <coughs> animations are terrible. Is that but, the Pepsi one? Yeah, yeah. But like, I I used to love watching all them ones, like the, especially the the Take It to the Next Level one, where it's you, you it ends, it starts at a free kick and ends at a free kick, and you're seeing all these amazing players, and it must have cost a bomb to make, but I absolutely loved them. Is that the first person one? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I must admit, that's the mo- that's the last great football advert. I I think there used to be, like, and it, it still is to some extent. But when the major tournaments came around, Nike and Adidas would be in competition to create the most iconic advert. Mm-hmm. So like Brazil, we did a video on retro football. If you remember Tom, which is like the best footy advert ever. Which I, if anyone wants to check out that video, still there. I went through most of the really good ones on There's it. A Scorpio ball. There was that. There was like the um, the one where the plant, the mission, was it? Where they made and they made a game about it and everything with like um, Van Gaal put his team of secret agent footballers yeah. together with Edgar Davids and he could see the laser beams with his uh, sunnies yeah. and stuff like that, like the tripwires. And um, but like Nike doing the the airport advert was the fit one of the first great ones. Yeah, uh, they're, they're kicking it through and they're playing it through the airport and they're bringing it down and then someone hits the shot and it hits the post and they all go. Oh. It's Ronaldo at the end. I watched yeah. it literally. Uh, the, the, another really good one was they're in the tunnel 
and it's just the premises of them. They're in the tunnel waiting to go out for the for the footy, and then they just start having a kick about and just run onto the pitch. And all that, the fans um, are like, "What?" Brazil Portugal one. Yeah. 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 It's quality. Yeah. And then the the cage one's my favourite, where they have it in the, in the cage matching, and, and it's got um, the music as well, the Presley music. That's just what makes it bang. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing, and and the editing of it, it's fantastic as well. That's what I was mainly looking at because they they're getting these footballers to play, and obviously you can't use them in every shot. So it's the way they're using extras and the way they're using these these decoys and, and stuntmen to kind of fall over and hurt themselves so the players don't and it's it's really really well done that cage one um but i was just i was i just watched them and just nostalgia like hit me it was great well i i had a crazy idea the other day uh, since we're trying to you know wrap up this title still how's the best way to deliver it with some sort of like kind of entertainment value now I feel like it'd be perfectly fitting for Daniel Craig to play James Bond and deliver us the Premier League title in some way or another. <laughs> I just think there's something that could be made of that for entertainment value that would last the ages, yeah. considering we're not physically able to be there to celebrate. Um, so if anyone wants to, to, to make that happen... Yeah. Didn't they do something like that for the Olympics where it was like yeah. the Queen jumping out with James Bond or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, I think Daniel Craig, he lives for it, doesn't he? Yeah. Turns up, it turns up, I mean, he probably has to film it in America because that's the only time he seems to appear to be a Liverpool fan. But yeah. uh, no, those are those, those, some of those adverts. Like, the one that goes, I remember the first big one, and the people older than me will obviously remember more, but there was like, a, a, I think it was World Cup 94, a Nike one, and it was players painted on the sides of buildings and billboards. And like Ian Wright was in that one and had Georgie Campos in it. And like the, 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 the advertisements were playing the, playing footy and like yeah. Campos ends up diving and saving it and all that kind of stuff like yeah there used to be some absolutely but absolutely brilliant ones there's terrible ones now do you remember the Man City one it wasn't that long ago oh, if you if you clap for the champions or whatever it was yeah like oh! that, that's, that's what it's coming down to you know what I mean that's where it's going to whereas like there used to be so much innovation with it all and now it's the City players walking through a tunnel it's like oh it's awful if you well if you, it's, 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 it's to the tune if, you, if you're happy and you know it yeah. Oh gosh. If, if you what is what's the word? Because it doesn't scan. I'm pretty sure as well. Like I'm sure it doesn't fit in. I've got like, it right. Why you don't remember it, Paul? Oh no. It obviously never worked. I remember it vividly, but just not the not the song. It's because it just makes me feel ill. To go on, Tom. What have you got it? Well, I've got it. Yeah. Don't let me. Wanna cla- it's like if you're clapping for the champions, something. You found oh, far too quickly. It's already terrible. You ready? If you're here for the champions, clap your hands. If you're celebrating now, clap your hands. <laughs> if you're happy that we did it and you really want to show it, if you're here for Man City, clap your hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Because that. that's like, um, is it Etila Salat or something like that? Like it's one of the yeah. like foreign, foreign companies have, have paid for that to be made. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I love the footballs, though. Like every time there'd be a big advert, it'd be that it'd either be the footies that'd come out or the boots that'd come out afterwards, and you'd see them on the schoolyard for weeks, and you'd be the coolest kid on the yard if you had got the new total ninety ball or the Scorpio ball from back in the day. Like that was, I think that's what got us all hooked on the adverts because you just wanted to go and play with the balls or the the but the foot the boots that were in the adverts. Yeah, you were going to say the footballs. Then I thought you were going full Andy Gray on us for a second there. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh no! Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Again, if you're watching, let us know what your favourite football advert of all time is. There's so many classics, and do check out that video on the Retro Footy channel actually, because I, I mean it was good fun wrapping them all up, and it is definitely still there it's as well. The, um, 
Fernando Torres one as well. I've not mentioned that was a pretty decent effort as well. It is actually, yeah, the Torres, the um, yeah, the the taking over Liverpool, the Spanish influence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's, that's yeah. that was good. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and it, Nunca Caminara Solo come from that, which is what everyone learned. Not to say you'll never walk alone in Spanish because uh, <laughs> it's the start of the advert. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, Errol, I have come from a similar uh, angle on this on the topic this week, but I, I'll, I'll throw it to you first and foremost. I want to talk, and I'm going to talk in a little bit about obviously the announcement that football has been given the green light to return from June 1st. Uh, we'll talk about that in more depth in a moment. But um, Errol, there's a little issue around that and around that before we get that far that you want to talk about. Yeah, it, well, t- to be honest, it's just great on you know, me because I remember from weeks, weeks when this, you know, the situation first happened. One of the things that we said was, you know, we can't get everything with go back to football when it is safe and, and fit to do so. And, the, the you know, there are the safeguards in place to make sure that fans, as well as players, staff, all of the above can be protected and the game can go ahead safe. And I think everyone bought into that premise to begin with. Now, obviously, the people that should be most invested within that premise is the footballers themselves because it is their livelihood. A lot of footballers after that point came out and, you know, campaigned to various stay-at-homes, do this, do X, Y, and Z, because we're on board with the 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 government and everybody else's current thinking my thing is now you can't turn around and say in one breath we're scared to come back into the reality of the workplace which our workplace is a football ground a training pitch but then at the same time there are other footballers that have been seen and being punished at the moment and being fined for breaking lockdown rules because clearly they don't share the same ideologies as the other footballers. So you can't really band together and say, as footballers, you are united now and we're going to delay the project restart because there are a handful of years that are ruining it, in my eyes, for the rest of you that have got a clear message, if that's what it is meant to be. I am. Um, I... I loved Kyle Walker's apology for going to see his family in Sheffield and and this is the hard thing because on a on a human level is because he, he he tried like the me mental health and me struggles I've been through kind of angle and that's and I'm not saying that's wrong because every, a lot of people are going through that but that's the point loads of people are going through that everyone's got their own version of my family wanted a hug or they or my someone in my everyone's got someone in the family who's going through problems or we're going through problems or there's always something you know we've we've celebrated two birthdays in our house on our own you know like we, we little lad had his birthday and you can't you you get them you part you go I might just because because it's his birthday and he deserves that because it's his birthday it's his birthday and when you start finding yourself saying oh come on because it's I'm the exception to the rule, exactly. Everyone's in this. Everyone's in this. The the same boat in the football. You're right. And the problem is, of course, footballers are also very easy targets for all this. And and there's tons of people breaking breaking rules. They set themselves up to fall because that was my initial point. It was I just don't want to see them set themselves up to fall to turn around and say, you know, stay at home. This is the campaign. Put it all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then you see on their Snapchat on another in someone else's that they're at a party or a lockdown situation. And it's just like the two don't go hand in hand for me and it just makes the whole situation a lot more difficult to say with any certainty that they're all on the same page because clearly they're not they're putting a message out to the public that they're clearly not sharing between themselves they're talking between themselves and telling each other what they're doing of a day-to-day so other footballers are aware that people within their own team are breaking rules might be on a consistent basis or a not consistent basis but then you'll get the team captain saying, you know, we we're afraid of our, you know, we're afraid for our own health and safety. It's it, it, for for me, it just jars, and I, I'm just jarred, and I, I'm probably a little bit exhausted because you know we're all Liverpool fans, and we, you know, selfishly, there's reasons for us to want to get this season.
season underway and get it wrapped up. But I just think from the moral thing, I knew this at some point that this situation was going to happen, and I'm a little bit disappointed. So that's why that well, that's why I'm kind of proud of Liverpool as a team. I mean, we've had none of that come out. I mean, Everton had I think Moise Keane yeah. with a massive backlash from all the Evertonians and and rightly so. So I don't think we we can really say anything about that. He's he, he knows he's a knobhead, and everyone who supports Everton knows he's a knobhead the exact same way that if a Liverpool player went out and did the same thing, everyone would kind of go, "What are you doing? You know what I mean? Why why are you doing that?" Uh, but I am really really proud of the way that not just. The, the, the players have gone about it because all the players in the Premier League are probably going about it that way but I love the way that Liverpool as a club have shown that you know what I mean the way that they've used their, their, their YouTube channel and everything to be able to kind of go right we're going to kind of do the same things we used to but we're doing it here and we're going to show you we're doing it and I think putting even that bit more limelight on it is like if the players have an inkling of oh I might want to go do that no it's it's all over YouTube you can't do that and I, I really love the way that we're able to not kind of take the model high ground on this one but we can just be like well yours players did that our players but, did not at all yeah you've got to be careful with that though mate because until they do there's no, exactly. and that's why there's no point I think to, and, and this is why they go just to bring it back to the Kyle Walker stuff you're fine to think Kyle Walker's a knobhead as a human but to, but to try and bring some sort of sport and banter into it is a dangerous yeah. game because you'd only end up on a slippery slope because it's just going to take and let's face it it's going to be Adam Lallana isn't it he's, <laughs> I, I just think he, is he going to be able to stay, stay I think he's the one who's going to crack first and you can tell because he's a man in the 30s who changes his hair loads and that's a sign of a that's a sign of a loose cannon if ever there was Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked if Adam Lallana was <laughs> first one to break, to break quarantine. But you've got to be careful because, it's it, again, it just ends up being another another thing, another length of rope that you, you're drawing out to inevitably hung by. When it's just it's just a bunch of individuals who were doing who were, you know, breaking rules or whatever. But it's interesting, Ross, because I think the football is breaking breaking the lockdown rules. This is what what the season returning is going to hang on for me, because and this is why some of this needs to be determined still. Yeah, yeah, we're being told that it's it's you know they've got the green light for it to come back. But if footballers start getting infected. 
it's gonna it's gonna change the scenario pretty quickly. And if they and they're gonna have everything and everything on their side, I think, to make it as good for them as possible. They're gonna be the best cared for, the best treated, the best locked down, the best quarantined, the best managed people during this entire crisis in this whole country because they've got the money around it and they've got all the facilities. But it's only gonna take it's gonna take one idiot. One idiot's gonna go out and he's gonna end up infecting his whole team. And that'll be it. That's we'll it. Be done. It's curtains. Yeah, it's it's difficult because the, you know it's not just the money that they get, which you know they've been thrown under the bus by the government once already. You know, so the limelight was already on, on them from the start to you know raise money and do whatever. But you know, the stuff with like Jack Grealish, Kyle Walker. You know, you said it before. Like, where are the people that you know normal people considered staying at home, abiding by the rules? We all want to go out and do things that we can't go and do. You know, whereas they they lead a privileged life. Yes, yes, they work hard for it. But you know, and particularly with the the mixed messaging from Sunday. It only takes one, two, three, like you said, idiots from clubs to go. Well, if everything's all right now, we can go back to football. But if we can go, if we can go run around the football picture an hour and a half with, you know, twenty-one other people. Or well, I can go, I can do it X, Y, and Z, and go and do that instead. The problem I've got is the fact that the individual clubs are the ones that are doing it. So like, you know, they're doing the testing because they're obviously they're paying for it and stuff like that. So I think Wolves started doing it yesterday or today with non-playing staff saying, "Oh, we'll test you and do that. That's fine." But like. Brighton said they tested positive for one person, but they'd already shown their hand a couple of weeks ago that they didn't want to get relegated. Yeah. Dynamo Dresden in exactly the same position, like they didn't, didn't want to get relegated. Someone else has got it. I think there's a trust issue there for me. Yeah. Not that there's individual clubs, just as a whole, of saying, why isn't a governing body like the FA or the Premier League going, we'll do all the testing, we'll, we'll keep an eye on everything? Because, because if they know that, it's the same as when they do drug tests for, for players, they know what they can and can't do. Yeah. Going to go and do drugs, but it's, yeah. it's a lot more. It's a lot more, you know, professional doing that. I think way. I'm pretty sure they've hired an independent company to do the testing. Uh, I think that was what I, I think I did read that yesterday. Please feel free to correct me on any of this stuff in the comments, by the way, um, because yeah, I don't obviously know the hundred percent certainty. But you're right. I don't think the testing could be done exclusively in house because you're right. The need there would need to be a degree of, you know, that you're right. Partiality. It opens the door way for for underhanded behaviour because you're right. Because let's all let's face it, all of a sudden, if there's a team really struggling, they lose the first two or three games of this, and then all of a sudden their squad gets entirely infected. They're going to be like, you know, they're going. You're right. It, it opens up to the chance of conspiracy theories. It's still a bit early to to know about all these things, but I think that's where we're at because we're we're seeing. I'm seeing it from um, a different perspective today because of well, since Sunday because obviously they said schools are going back with early for early years and my my wife's a teacher and she's an early years teacher and my kids are obviously all in early years as well um, and you you start to think about the the, the the factors that need to be considered in, in in all of this and obviously we're still away so there's still time to get this right but like. The, the, just making sure that the workplace is safe for, for people to return to and all this kind of stuff is a very, very, you know, there's, 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 we're so far away from footy coming back. It's on the right steps. I think we all wanted to come back from a, look, football fans, football is so big to us. We literally dedicate masses of time each week to talking about it. It clearly means yeah. loads to us. If you're sat here watching this or listening to this podcast, footy means loads to you and you're not wrong to want your chief source of entertainment back in any way, shape or form. But when you start to look at it from the players' end, I can understand why they're getting a little bit windy about certain things. Doesn't it doesn't hold up, Tom? When you see people, you know, they are, when you're faced with a world where there's 50 year old women who are having to work the counters at a co-op with minimal PPE, you know, footballers' complaints will will fall on deaf ears. 
but I can understand the day that why we would all want it. If I said to you guys tomorrow, right, you're coming back into this office. Yeah. You want to know what the what the specific plans were and exactly how it was going to be, how exactly you were going to be kept as safe as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. We're, we're talking about all these players and that Tyrone Mings has been quite vocal on, on Twitter recently. And, and you say, do you want to know the plans? He said on uh, yesterday, let's see what else they come out with. If you believe everything in the press, then I'm currently preparing myself to play with a mask with gloves for less than 45 minutes each way whilst quarantine whilst quarantining in Australia you know what I mean so he has he has no idea and and yeah. it, it's quite refreshing to hear his comments and stuff about how he's just saying look we'll we'll play we're doing the relegation zone um that's kind of on us I'm paraphrasing massively here by the way but he's, he's just kind of saying yeah we'll, we'll, we'll kind of play then I'm sure a lot of footballers do realize the position they're in uh, in terms of being privileged I mean I know Dejan Lovren has come out and said they need a break. I, I think with, with that kind of stuff, it's just because he's in a completely different bubble and world. And he's like, well, I need to de-stress because of this. And that's fair enough. While as you're right, there's people who are still working every single day, putting themselves at risk, who are like, I need to de-stress by putting myself in a safe position for me and my family. You know what I mean? Um, I think it, it, it it's so hard because we're still finding out we're still we're still struggling to figure out what's going on like what with what the government are saying. They're coming out and saying these things, broad statements, and a lot of people aren't understanding them. I'm one of them where you're like, what does that actually mean? Does that mean we can do this? How are we meant to do this? So then how are football teams meant to put plans in place when okay, can we have three people train at the same time? Do you have to have yeah. rotations of things? Can people be here, stationed here? Yes. It's, it's people asking questions to which there are no, there are currently no answers, and because football exists in this twenty four hour news cycle, it's everyone's wants more and they want it more now. And actually, for the first time in in a wider sense, we all want to know more information because what the government has done so far has been far too vague and lacking detail. By the end of the week, we'll probably know loads more than we know now. But yeah. when you don't know the information, and particularly when it's it's something impacting you. Like, again, I was very much on the whole... I was on the... Like, I understand footballers' fears. And then me and Chris talked about it on the Major Payjack podcast last week. And he was like, well, look, everyone's got to work. If you don't want to work, you don't have to work. And then I haven't seen it... When it comes home to you and you realise... Like, I've seen the fears first, you know, close up. And my wife's being told she's got to go back to school. She's got to go back and teach. At some point in the next three weeks, all being well, she'll be back in the classroom again. But what does that look like? And all of a sudden, you don't realise that... like what measures are being put in place. They haven't explained how they're going to be protected on an individual basis. They haven't quite explained who, how many other people are going to be alongside and they haven't explained the people who are going to be, they're going to be, how many kids they're going to be looking after. They don't know what the, the working environment is going to look like. Nobody knows the answers to these questions yet. So I can understand why there's tons of footballers. Well, I'm, 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 I don't know that there's tons of footballers. I can understand why there will be some footballers thinking, well, you know, understandably upset that they're being told that this is happening because, you know, I think, does it, without sounding without sounding trying to sound stupid maybe, but what, does it make a difference for the individuals that don't come from this country as well though? Because maybe they're listening to news from their native lands and how the, the situation globally is being handled, and maybe that's adding to their anxiety because we we might be handling things completely different over getting, here. They're getting footballers are getting pressures from all kinds of sides. You know they they are. They're getting the pressures from their football clubs because look, footballs, football clubs are businesses, and yeah. if they don't go back to work eventually, they will not have a bit. You know, the, the football clubs will go under. It'll happen. We're starting to see it in different leagues around the world. Some clubs are being wound up because they can't 
they, they can't justify the expenses and the bigger you get the, the bigger you, the further you've got to fall so they're going to be getting them pressures they're going to be getting pressures from fans who are saying you know they need to do and from government saying like, you know they need to entertain the nation somehow and then they're going to be getting pressures from their like the wives and the partners and yeah. the mums and dads and their kids and saying don't go and put yourself in that situation because we want you to be able to come home and and, and so well, it's and not again, even the footballers yeah. themselves, Paul. You're exactly right. What if the kids got uh, a serious illness? What if the kids got bad asthma? And they're like, well, look, if I if I put myself at risk, I'm not going to know. Yes, you can do all the testing you want, but I could come home, give my kid that illness, and then that's on me then because I wanted to go back to work or I've been forced to go back to work. And then if you're then looking at it and going to your boss you forced me to go back to work now this has happened i'm gone i'm i'm not working with you anymore and it just destroys the thing, them kind of relationship the, the thing that it is though is that like when i hear a bit of complaints from other sectors i get it because you've got an incompetent government passing it down to let's be honest either unfunded or incompetent local governments who were then passing it down to local bosses who were then are not experts in fields and they're then telling the staff to come back in so you've got so many layers of trust and if you don't trust it from the top then you, your trust is only going to get thinner and thinner as you get closer and closer to your your role within this. As far as footballers go, on the grand scheme of things, everyone's going to have to start taking risks because yeah. until there's a cure, everyone's going to have to. Everyone's eventually just going to have to go back to work in some in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, there will not be a work again to 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 go back to in the in in the, in the long term future. And footballers are at least, as I said, of, of everyone who's going to have to go back to work they're going to be the best protected of everyone. And you yeah. might argue they're at least they're doing the physical contact, which, you know, we don't have to be, we're not going to be sweating and breathing on each other. They can't do the social distance in the same way, but they have also got, again, they're going to be put in far better circumstances and situations than all of us, you know? It, so it's not, did, there's no ideal solution, but they're probably likely to be the best of it. The other argument is a sense of like, if they don't want to work, I fully understand that, but they're probably getting full-time wage and a decent wage at that. To what point? At what point do you go? Well, fine. You want to stay off, but we're going to pay you your full wage. Then what do you think? Well, we're not getting hundred grand a week. Okay, sound. I might go back to work for a little bit. Yeah. And that's it. And we, 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 we've got a, we've been we've got a culture of fear around this, and rightly so, by the way. But like the whole stay at home message needed to be underpinned with letting everyone know just how hard and terrible the situation is. And like I said, I've seen it, had it. It's horrible. We've lost a family member to it. It's absolutely horrendous that the virus wasn't there. You know, it, you know, it, it, it is. It's a real thing. People are dying from it. It's it's something that needs to be that always needs to be factored in. But it, it, that's the this is the mental situation we're in, where you're having to. There's just an there's now an increased risk factor to just leaving the house, yeah. and all of us take that gamble every single time we step outside our front doors and we go shopping and we do that. And you know the problem is is what all this boils down to. Football is a capitalist sport. It's run by money, and money's going to determine a lot of this. And you're right, is that footballers will have the choice. I think ultimately, I think the vast majority of them want to play. If I'm being perfectly honest, yeah, it is always yeah. the the naysayers that come out. You know, they their voices always ring. You know, always are always the loudest. Um, but the vast majority of footballers, that's what they do. That's what they've built their lives for. They do just want to get back to kicking a footy again. And I'm sure most of them wouldn't be that arsed. I'm sure Kyle Walker's not asked about going shoulder to shoulder with footballers because he wouldn't. He wouldn't be having. He wouldn't be having the interesting parties and birthday trips hmm. that he's been having so far. And I'm sure he's not alone in that. But um, do, do you think? Do you think they're they're in a culture and an environment where they've been too protected? Because when when you said that then I thought like there's people who work in the NHS like we all know someone probably works in there and they're going in like day in day out not for a great wage under you know under protected yeah. you know in every sense of the way 
risking mm. their lives to save other people on that scale of things. Like, I fully understand where the footballers are coming from when you compare the two. Like, you know, <laughs> it's nowhere near as bad as going to going to the hospital. It's, or, or people, like, the, the null and voyages are saying it's too soon to bring football back are probably yeah. the same people that are going to the chippy. Yeah. Like, what are those people no, fucking no, risking their lives as well? True. It's dangerous, isn't it, though, to get because you're right, but it's, it's dangerous when we start drawing comparisons with, like, the NHS workers and football yeah. workers and all that kind of stuff. Which because is. They are protected and they have been sheltered and they've been sheltered, you know, most of their adult lives and they've got all that buffer around them. And I think we're careful because I think we use that as a as a noose to, to hang them with sometimes because like as own money protects you from from every you know ill and stress no, and like. I meant, I meant the environment they've been brought up in for years of being protected yeah. and you don't have to do anything. Is that supplementary gone into the heads now and gone actually? Well, don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, this, maybe that's the case. This is why, you know, I didn't want to speak on it for, you know, the last couple of weeks because I kind of wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt for as long as, you know, we could get away with it. But literally, you know, for about three weeks in the first one with Kyle Walker and then Jack, Jack Grealish, um, there's been a few even. I think there was a Chelsea player that was caught on Snapchat on Monday. And I'm just like, again, it's just another thing where you just like... How many times can we see it now before we actually discuss it and think, you know, th- th- there's probably a little bit more to it? I mean, there's everything. The bad people always make it worse for the, ba- the worst of society. Well, it is, it's, a small, it's a small handful of them, definitely. But I think it, that that is dangerous because it can it can mix up with the message of the core group. And it goes to say, the moment, this is the point, is we're talking about a hypothetical situation still. We're under the current rules. Yeah. Like, in three weeks' time, if 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 it does, if there isn't another spike, and there will be, because thanks, VE Day, um, but there will be another, there will be a doubtless, you know what I mean? So we probably will. It'll change, I'm sure it will, but who knows? The point is, is the, the rules will have loosened in a, few, in a few weeks, potentially, in which case this won't necessarily be quite a big deal, but the moment that's what's happening is the people who are most directly impacted it are looking at this saying, well, hang on a second, I can't see how I can possibly go back into work it, given the current current situation and the rights to think that. But, yeah. of course, they're not being asked to do to go back today. Well, some people are. Um, but, but um, you know, but yeah, so it's going to be... It's definitely definitely one to watch. And I think, look, from a pure... Bringing it back, I think, from a pure football fan perspective, I think we could all do with it. And I think particularly when you're seeing, like, the Bundesliga looks like it's going to be back this weekend, when you're seeing football and sports is starting to return and we're starting to see the first little green shoots, whether the government, whether they're right to or not, it's not up to us to make that, you know, we can, we can decide whether we like it or not, but it, it, this stuff is happening. Mm. Uh, when you start to see that happen, it does make sense that, you know, you know, we can have something to look forward to, but, um, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see. I don't think any one of us would like to live in a world where we feel responsible for anyone getting ill or whatever. We'd like to live in a world where it could all just go away. But if it's not going to go away, if you're saying football can't be played for another year, then we might not have football to come back to, and then you decide you have to decide whether people are being you can't you can't call people heroes for going back into a non-essential sporting venue, but are they are they are they being in a in a very small microcosm sense are they being heroes for their industry are they are they risking their themselves in order to keep their industry up and running. And their families, to be fair to them. I think Tom had a good point before of like going back and saying if a player's got a relative who's, who's ill, do you know what I mean? I can understand them not wanting to go back in that sense. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, there's more, more, still more questions than answers at this point. Absolutely. Uh, 
Right, okay, we're going to get a couple, uh, we've got a quick question here before we wrap up the podcast today. Uh, Diego Albizures, who told me, who wrote it phonetically for me. I'm good, I'm, I'm far better with like Hispanic sounding names, French sounding names and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I do all right, it's Pajak, you want to worry about. Um, Pajak's his name, um, says, says Machin. Um, he says, what was the first footy match you've ever attended at Anfield? Mine was Middlesbrough game at the end of 1617 when you had the live show. And I met you guys afterwards. My surname is pronounced Al B. Zures, by the way. Thanks once again. Um, yeah, I was a boss night. That actually, that game was dead stressful, but we had a good laugh, a good party at the end of the season for that one. Um, my first game, I actually can't remember my actual first game. My dad would probably, but the one I the first I remember was a, was the last game of the season um, at Anfield. Certainly, I think it was in 1990 when we lifted the league title. Um, I was there for that, which is mad because I couldn't tell you anything about the game. I remember Kenny Daglish coming on, um, and, and I remember seeing us lift the title, but I, I couldn't tell you anything else about the game. I think we played Derby County. Um, so that's like, yeah, back in back 1990. And past that, yeah, there's like, obviously I went loads as a teenager and stuff, but yeah, that's the, that is my, that was the first one that I remember, sort of. I think my first one was a Youth Cup game. Uh, I think it was a semi-final, and I got told when I grew up that I fell asleep through it. So <laughs> that that happened. But the first one, I, I was cleaning out. I was cleaning out one of the the rooms, just just having a tidy in quarantine as you do. And I found loads of magazines, and I was like, I don't remember going to these games at all. But the first one I can definitely remember was United two one. I think it was the third round of the FA Cup where there's a ball over the top there Kai gets flicked on by Cadillac I believe and then uh, there Kai volleys it into the into the bottom corner and I remember because the Manx were terrible that game in terms of what they were shouting at us and everything and they were just giving us loads of loads of like vitriol it was disgusting and then we scored and they were just quiet they didn't say a thing after that we all got to sing back at them tastefully um, and, and they, were, they, were, they were just silent and all walked out with their heads bowed and that and that, that was one of the that might be one of my favourite games I've ever been to at Anfield just because of the whole situation around it and the way that we, we, we gave gave it to them basically Amazing Edel? Yeah I can't, I can't remember my first game when I was a kid because I remember my mum got one of their mates from work to take me it was just me and him when we was kids so he took me and he stepped in and I remember it, I remember, I think it was a I, I, I often say it was either a cup competition or a reserves game as my first ever one when I was a kid got to a few of them um, but remember one from I remember when I was I think I must have been in last year of last year of, yeah probably year 11 in school when um, we went and watched Liverpool play Bolton on Boxing Day that was quite a good one, just because the person that got us the tickets was playing for the team as well at the time. So that was quite a, always a, a memorable are you, one. Are you trying to avoid name dropping Yossi Benayoun again? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, yeah. So that was that was probably one of the more memorable ones when I was a kid, like at Anfield, definitely. Go on, Ross. Uh, Liverpool v Charlton in 1996. Wow. Coca-Cola Cup. Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of the game, but I googled it so I can tell you about it. Thirteenth uh, of November, so I would have been I would have been seven. Uh, Mark Wright scored, Jay Redknapp scored, and Fowler scored twice. Uh, I went with my dad, brother, my uncle, my two cousins. Sat in the cop. Uh, the only thing I can remember was was having a twix at half time. <laughs> <laughs> I miss I miss Charlton being in the Premier League. I was thinking about this the other day. Is these old teams like like Premier League stalwarts that were in there throughout? From when I remember, sort of the whole of the first bit of the nineties, early two thousands, you just don't see them anymore. 
you'll hear oh, about them Tom, anymore. No, not Premier League Star Wars, Tom. Tom no, but they, 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 I remember them vividly yeah, being in me Premier League box to get stickers with. I think it's interesting. I think everyone has got like an idealised 20 teams in their head, which they think of as being Premier League teams. Yeah. And I bet uh, generationally it, it changed. So like I'll have like Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds United, <laughs> where you probably haven't got, won't have. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is an interesting one. It's funny about the first game thing because I, I, I found a load of the old videos of me uh, when my kids were, were, were young on a hard drive I've been back up to and forgotten about and um, I found the Barcelona 4-0 friendly game that I took the kids to so the first game Liverpool game they ever went to Penny would have been about eight months if, if that eight months old and Jack was there for four and um, she slept for half of it in her mum's arms and he it was too noisy for him so he ended up with like headphones on watching, watching his mum's phone watching YouTube while we battered but well Leo Messi and Suarez got the pants pulled down in front of the biggest ever capacity for a football game at the new Wembley um and they, and then yeah they've got no literally no memories of of, of of being in there but that's yeah that's the beauty I mean it was the anniversary of the 92 FA Cup final the other day and I, I was yes yeah, so I was nine for that and um I remember more about the journey down and the being around it than I remember. I couldn't say anything, you know, of my memories of watching the game are minimal. I remember a few little high points of being picked up and seeing the top of the FA Cup being lifted from down the stands. And I remember mainly my dad bought me Super Mario Land to play on the Game Boy uh, on the drive oh. down. But that's a yeah. Well, that's, that's, a that's the problem is I, I've been to a game a few times and you see like the, when you stood in the cop, the kids can't see. They just yeah. can't see. I remember, I think it was, remember when we played Spurs 2-0 and you and Chris went up into the main stand because I think it was the first, it was kind of the first time and I was in the cop and um, I was sat there and this kid, like we battered them 2-0 and everyone was in full voice. I was giving it beans and the kid kept like looking around and hearing all these songs that he, he knew and he just started shouting them out, grew in confidence as the game went on and I was just like, he's going to be a proper Liverpool fan in, in, in the end because that's one of them where you can formulate memories at that point yeah. and you can actually see because people were accommodating him because he was on the side, it was boss to watch this kid just like his eyes light up when we scored the second and we're just giving it giving it to Spurs it was great oh, that's absolutely class I think it's as good, a, as good a way as any to end the podcast on a nice a nice nostalgic high note um, guys thank you very much for joining us if you want more from us we've got a load more questions from you guys uh, we're going to be answering them on the subscriber Q&A we're going to literally roll straight into it but uh, if you want to check it out you have to go to the redmentv.com and sign up it is very very good indeed uh, Oliver Ronan uh, asked whether it's a, a shag Mary kill Machin Pajak or Dutton Oof. <laughs> It's going to be one to find out. Best biscuits during lockdown. Favourite UK holiday destination. Um, who of the Redman TV staff play is the main characters in The Incredibles and a whole lot more as well. Uh, oh, Tupac or Biggie. There's a big one. Um, there's an obvious oh. answer to that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> join us on the RedmenTV.com for the Q&A. Uh, and other than that, we'll see you very, very soon. Ta-da. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.